Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo decoded report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestion, endo aligned product matching in your state, suggested dosage guidelines, and optimum methods of administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeka soft gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeka Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. It's 3 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon. Thanks for tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News, where we explain marijuana laws so you can change them. Let's say hey to your hosts. What's up, Miggy? Hey. What's up, Tom? What's happening? Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe to stay on top of all Cannabis Legalization News and get awesome tidbits like the helpful news that uh, one of our clients and viewers used to uh, win his craft grower license. So yeah, out to all the winners, uh, including the ones that weren't my client. But uh, <laughs> if you guys have any questions, drop me a, a line at Cannabis Industry Lawyer on Instagram. How's your day going, Miggy? That's good, good. You know, uh, get ready to go camping with the wife. So happy wife, happy life. Happy wife, happy life. And we're coming to you on tape from tomorrow. So uh, Chuck Schumer has released a strategy to discuss getting enough votes to pass marijuana legalization. Uh, marijuana Moment is reporting that. Senator Majority Leader Chuck Schumer from New York on Thursday discussed his strategy for getting enough votes to pass federal marijuana legalization bills and described the process of soliciting feedback on his legislation from colleagues and working to incorporate any requested modifications in order to get the measure across the finish line. Schumer told ABC's The View, we're now going around to our colleagues saying, would you sign on to the bill? And if you don't like what's in the bill, want some modifications, tell us. I want to get this done. And I think we will get it done because it's so, so overwhelmingly supported by the American people. Wow. I don't know, man. We're still talking about, like, we talked about this last week when he did announce it, man. Like, how, how are you going to come out with a plan? But this is the politics of this. Of politics. Yeah. But he's hustling. And I like to, you know, shout outs to Chuck Schumer and also Cory Booker. And if you want to get in their mind, I mean, think about what they're saying in the Senate and where you think their state's um, uh, reg regulation and landscape and awards of licenses are going to go. Uh, I can't wait to help some people get uh, licensed out there. And that, that's going to be an exciting fall if New Jersey starts and releases its uh, application season. But, you know, it just goes to show that they are really concerned about that slim ma majority that they need to get out of any Republican filibuster. Well, so 60 votes needed to get out of that, you know. 
Yeah, no, this is ridiculous. Like the filibuster is what's killing us right now. Well, like, who do you think's gonna who's gonna filibuster this bill and keep it from being brought up for a vote? Man, I, I, I could name like everyone that voted against the election, all of them. Any, any, I'm just saying these these people have no common sense or dignity about that. Well, I hope that they use this as a method to weed some people out in the 2022 election because we will use our, our voice to the extent that YouTube overlords allow us to be seen on the internets to have somebody voted out of office then be like, oh, that guy held it up. Well, don't elect him next time. And, I mean, like, here's an overview of some of the main points that they're seeking comment on. Uh, measuring the potency of cannabis products, the overlap of definitions of hemp and marijuana, and regulations for synthetic THC, regulatory responsibilities for various federal agencies, and FDA funding. I mean, that, that right there is a big handful, but there's still four more bullet points. Yeah, because they also have to coordinate federal and state law enforcement responsibilities for uh, cannabis, especially this weird uh, cannabis interstate commerce regarding the uh the it would be very difficult for us to ship it from illinois to michigan to lawful markets uh because we'd have to i guess like you know fly it into michigan and go skip over wisconsin or, or take the ferry from chicago to uh, the west side of michigan but we can't transport it anywhere else i mean like it would only have to leave illinois through the airlines i guess but no, but Schumer said you can your state can elect out, but you're allowed to drive through, which still is going to be a quandary in itself for the people. Oh, I thought that you weren't allowed to drive through. I thought it says the state's law is the federal law. And so, like, as soon as the uh, Cresco shipment bound to Pennsylvania leaves Illinois and it hits Indiana, they could just arrest them. Well, I'd imagine there's like like hazmat things, right? There's things that the, the federal government does that the states won't allow, like hazmat driving. I had a cousin that used to do that. You need a special license to get, you know, especially in Hawaii. But like, I'd imagine like going through Wyoming, you know, like right. they don't have toxic waste plants. But I imagine if that's, if that's the route that somebody needs to go to drop off that cargo, they're going to be allowed to, to, to take it. I mean, and that's going to be part of the infrastructure regulation, right? Most people don't realize like there is intercommerce rules that we have to abide by. For interstate stuff that that's going to be the growing thing for the MSOs. These guys who've been preparing themselves and hoarding everything, they're not ready for this interstate business. No, the industry is also not ready for the GMP requirements in that interstate business that the mm. feds are mandating. And so that's interesting because one of the bullet points is that they're going to try to balance the efforts to reduce barriers to entry into the cannabis industry while mitigating the influence of illicit cannabis operators. So how do you do that? I mean, if you don't bring down the barrier to entry, you really don't snuff out the illicit cannabis operator. And if you say all the state laws are going to be able to survive that illicit operation, like, holy crap. One of my clients uh, or somebody who knows one of my clients passed one of my notice to law enforcement for hemp uh, to somebody who, you know what he was doing? What's that? He was using cannabis to pay for a car. What? Yeah, about 30 pounds worth of cannabis he was going to use to pay for a car. And in his defense, he gave him one of my um, uh, notice to law enforcement that it was hemp. And I'm like, and when did this happen? A few weeks ago. I'm like, ain't none of my clients have called me for nothing on uh, that, you know, for the past. Like, I haven't given out a notice to law enforcement in a while. You're and right. the one that I did give out, uh, he said, was dated in November. I'm like, I have no idea. I mean, maybe I've given out a few, but I, I could go through my list of clients and then, like, follow up and be like, hey, what are you doing? Well, you still need a COA. 
That's what I told him. And but then like the funny thing was when it got into the names, I'm like, well, it could be hemp. And he's like, yeah, but we only got field tests. I'm like, all right, well, don't forget to do the uh, high pressure liquid chromatography because Illinois is a Delta nine state and the obligation is on you to prove it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he started reading the names like um, Afghani cheese. And I'm like, that's not a, a hemp name, but maybe. I mean, like, there's a lot of interesting genetics now. And he's like, uh, cereal milk. I'm like, no. <laughs> oh my god, that's 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 awesome. <laughs> no, it's not awesome, but it is the mitigating the influence of the illicit cannabis operators. And so, that if you want to mitigate that influence, you have to license everybody. You can't yeah. just say Indiana's a crime. Uh, and then it's going to be what what just there was some crap that just went down in Georgia. And so Georgia handed out cannabis licenses. I'm not sure if that's on the uh, the roundup because it, it happened like today, Saturday. It was kind of quiet. Uh, if we could get uh, something about that Georgia thing, that would be really cool because they only gave out six. It was a complete millionaires club. And it was not only a complete millionaires club. It was an inside like, you know, two of the companies that got the licenses had already sued. Uh, them. I mean, it's like there's strategy in the competitive licensing rounds and then there's strategy in the competitive licensing rounds. I mean, suing the state during the application process. I mean, like imagine that like Illinois opens up or New Jersey or New York opens up to take licenses and like Cresco just starts by suing them. It'll be hilarious. Last time you bought uh, black market bananas. Well, right. But then that's one of the things where the the way that you roll out the licenses at the state level or at the federal level isn't as easy as, as uh, people kind of uh, make it to be sometimes, unless you're going to go full on Oklahoma. Right. Well, Pretty even cool. then, that's how we used to be here in Washington when it was just medical, right? Like uh, money's going to take over. People with money and interests are going to take over with the rules. And, and Ben, like here in Washington State, you know, uh, uh, the, the 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 governing body just redefined Delta Nine. They said uh, no hemp based products in Washington State products uh, unless you're a I five hundred two licensee. So like you couldn't make Delta Nine from hemp based and then sell it into the market. So that's been a big issue. I I, I guess it's been, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, one of the things is though uh, the way the rules written right now that's been stirring a lot of commotion is like you know uh, TAC you know the grades and turns into other, you know, turns into Delta nine by itself sometimes, right. you know, sitting on a shelf or whatever. And so they're assuming now, like it's a very, uh, it's a weird quandary because like if it sits on the shelf too long, now the store owner is now culpable of creating Delta nine, even though, I mean, it wasn't intentional. It's just what the plant becomes. It's, a, it's an organic thing, but the LCB, the governing body out here is now saying they're saying no. You cannot play in the I-02 markets unless you're I-502, you know, so See, it's- that's cannabis products because we're talking about hemp cannabis products and we're talking about uh, THC cannabis products. Both of them t- are supposed to be cultivated pursuant to a license. But what about a pre uh, That was one of the other things. One of the other bullet points is to determine whether cannabis products should go through a pre-market review before they are being marketed. What do you think about that? I mean, like this, this would kind of solve a lot of these issues where it's like, is this, what is this? Is this legal? Like, should be, there be some type of screening like THCO and, and the other, all the other ones that are coming? Well, we talked about this before. You know, if it's a consumable product, it needs to be uh, uh, tested as a, cons- as a consumable product. You know, this is just something that's ingested into our bodies. So it should be, you know, vetted for the most part or lack of a better word. Yeah. And then also, you know, one of the other bullet points was, how to deal with international treaty obligations with respect to marijuana. And I think along those lines is going to be the uh, 
with the tribes, with the uh, with the nations, you know, because here in Washington State, when we uh, had 502 recreational legalization coming about, the state actually negotiated with the tribes that were in our grounds. And they're, you know, because they could have got easily underbidded at that 25% tax rate that they would, right. you know, easily. So it's definitely going to be a lot of rigmarole going through. Yeah, man. And we're still trying to confirm the um, politics of the day when it comes to who. Oh, there it is. We have it in the Atlanta Journal Constitution breaking 12 minutes ago. Wow. So, uh, yeah. Georgia's Medical Marijuana Board chose six companies Saturday that will obtain the right to uh, cultivate. The, the announcement is long awaited for 15,000 patients who have been authorized to use marijuana oil since 2015, but were not permitted to buy it. Talk about a bad medical marijuana program. Why do you have a medical marijuana program with 15,000 patients since yeah. 2015 that you've done nothing for? And I'm sure this market's booming. Like, let's just go with that. Like there's, it's Georgia. Unfortunately, it's the South. <laughs> well, it's a packed room of 200 people because 69 teams that applied for these only these six licenses, the Georgian Access to Medical Cannabis Commission voted unanimously to select six companies. And the state law limits the number of medical marijuana producers to six. Each license we authorized to open five dispensaries. They're vertically integrated. This is a nightmare of a regulation. You're just letting the MSOs go right in, become vertically integrated. Atlanta has too many people in it that smoke weed to allow this to happen. But maybe um, there's maybe there's forces at play that we don't know, like the illicit market, for example. Well, how long do you think until, like, because Alabama, they got medical light as well and uh in florida you know and, and so like yeah, all this, your is, this is florida basically i mean like this is essentially how but florida's only difference is unlimited dispos and so that's why truly it's like 50 percent of the state because they just keep opening dispensaries and then as they open a new dispensary they just get more canopy space well like you know virginia just did recreational you know it's only a matter of time these states realize like the well, arms are not there. You know, thanks for tuning in. You guys need to lobby and influence your legislature and tell them how you want the state to to do it, because otherwise you're going to get stuff like Georgia here. So two companies, one cultivation licenses, Trulief, yeah. an affiliate of Trulief Cannabis Company and Botanical Sciences, LLC, located in Glenville, South Georgia. That one's interesting. I wonder who was on that application for botanical wow. sciences. And then four companies get licensed to operate a smaller 50,000 square foot growing room. Uh, so that's canopy size. So 100,000 and 50,000 square foot flowering canopy space. That's 10X on the Illinois craft grow or like the Massachusetts uh, craft license of a 5,000 square foot canopy or 1,250 plants, 10X on that. So you're talking about 12,500 plants that is just ridiculous. You know, the, the, that well, is not the illicit market cultivation. No, no, it's not. And, and then, and I mean, I hope, you know, when, when these states get, you know, it's approved, you got licenses. Now you're going to have build outs. Now you're going to have contracts being involved. I really do hope a lot of that stays within Georgia, but unfortunately we've seen a lot of these big companies operate out of town. They operate, you know, like, when they say, you know, you give a dollar to a local company and most of it's, you know, 90% of it stays local. Whereas if you go to Walmart, you know, 80% of that goes to the headquarters in Walmart because you're paying for the Walmart lawyers and the, you know, at the headquarters, the Walmart uh, CEOs at the headquarters, you're not paying for your local people. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really hope uh, 
that stays more local to generate more revenue. No, yeah, well, the the four that have the fifty thousand, I haven't heard of these, but you know, soon to be MSOs somewhere. FFD GA Holdings, Theratrue Georgia LLC, Nature's GA LLC, and Trivana Remedy Inc. So out of all of those, it appears that uh, Trivana Remedy Inc. is the only one that's setting itself up for an acquisition in an all-stock deal, or um, these LLCs could actually have a member who is a C-Corp. There's interesting things afoot in Georgia. Sorry that you weren't yeah. one of the six companies who's... Uh, had the best, the highest scoring application. I don't think I would have gotten the highest scoring unless I had the right team. And that right team, I would have told to write a $50,000 at least check to the right political action committee. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, unfortunately, it's, it's proven that Georgia's easy to pay off. You know, I mean, when that when the governor won his election, it was his own counting board member. I mean, that's that just tells you. I'm going to investigate myself. I got that's this. Right. That's right. And, uh, you know, Retired law enforcement and, uh, you know, the, the political connections and then just a big pot of money yeah. uh, and then a wonderful story. That's what I would have tried to do to win. Of course, having like an actual complete application that has demonstrates 100 percent compliance is necessary as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, well, you know, that's <laughs> that's the fun, fun, uh, fun regulation stuff. <laughs> there we go. But, you know, uh, uh, you know, huh? Let's 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 keep it light then. Let's keep yeah. it light, and because uh, we are how many how many minutes has it been? Uh, what are we at here? Oh, Sixteen. 16. So it's uh, we got enough time for this story yeah. before we pull a four twenty somewhere. Congressman says marijuana is only a performance enhancing drug for hot dog eating contests. Uh, yeah. Congressman on Wednesday blasted a suspension of U.S. runner Shikari Richardson. I swear I say her name wrong every time now. From the Olympics over a positive marijuana test said cannabis is only performance enhancing drug in the context of food eating competitions. Tell you what, Representative Steve Cohen, a Democrat from Tennessee, argued that it's hypocritical that athletes would be penalized for using marijuana when alcohol use is largely tolerated. And he said it's time for Congress to fix the policy gap and catch up with the public by federally legalizing cannabis. Yeah, and then uh, we had that wonderful conversation that'll be forthcoming with uh, Vivian McPeak, where he asked that he just wants equality with alcohol. That's all we really are after is equality with alcohol. She wouldn't have been punished if she was drinking beer. She shouldn't be punished because she was using cannabis. Right. Any any level of cannabis. Cohen said marijuana is not a performance-enhancing drug unless you're entered in the Coney Island hot dog eating contest on the 4th of July. To take Richardson's right to appear in her dream away from her is absurd, and Congress should see that we don't have these problems in the future. And I, I believe the, the the governing testing body did. They're trying to. They're asking the Olympic Committee to change their their stance. You know. Yep, and he went on to lampoon the hypocrisy. If she would have gotten rip roaring drunk on margaritas, Red Bull, or whatever else you drink out there these days, lagers. She would have been fine because it would have shown uh, it would not have shown up in her system. She still would have been allowed to run. But for marijuana, it could have been 20 days ago and just a few puffs and she's gone. You know, and she was in Oregon, so it'd be like a good IPA that she would have had. But uh, well, okay. Oregon has good supply. Oregon, Oregon has a good supply of high quality cannabis. Well, I mean, like the beer, you know, that, that's the joke yeah. in the Northwest. We're all like wear plaid and long beards and drink IPAs, which I do drink a lot of IPAs. Yes. Beer. So do I. I'm from the middle of nowhere. 
Right. I mean, that's just the flavor that I go with, man. Uh, but you know, the next story is going to relate to that, but we should have the 420 here in a minute before we dig into it. Cause you know, uh, it's funny when you see hypocrisy and out there, you know, Oh, you know, it was a really interesting thing about 420 yesterday and it just was happenstance. Uh, so the winners of the craft grow that I helped apply, uh, came down to like, you know, discuss strategy and, and valuations and capital requirements and, uh, next steps and, you know, getting the, you have to submit the uh, fee for your license and all that great stuff. Uh, and, and so we, we made it to the post office to like, you know, do some posterity and also a little bit of marketing, be like, you know, you're there, smile. I helped. Yay. Um, and it just so happened to be 420 when we were uh, uh, sending it and doing the video. And so I thought that was hilarious because then you check because your your phone records things and it puts a timestamp on it. Yeah. So, uh, yesterday at 420, I recorded that little thing and I posted it to YouTube today on our on our reel. And then I kicked my camera because I'm professional. <laughs> no, I saw it. It's, it's, yep. it's pretty. I, I never, those guys look pretty freaking happy, man. <laughs> well, you would be too. There's a lot of people that are sucking on a lemon a lot, like 99. Nope, no. Let's see. It was 434 four. So like about the 10 to one. So like 90% of people are pissed. And so, then, yeah. If a lawsuit happens now, does that mean their licenses are revoked or is everything still going forward? They're going forward. Like those licenses have been awarded. And so if the people took them, they took them. Now the state has to take them back. And so they would have to be disqualified by getting out of compliance with the terms of their uh, their license. And so, you know, if something goes wrong or if they're flagrantly violating like the track and trace system, stuff like that, uh, and then there's slippage, uh, if they fail, oh, there it is. Yeah. Regulations. <laughs> But that's the thing about the regulators, man. They're in it with you. And yeah. so uh, they want you to do the thing that you're there to do. That's why they gave you the license. And so, you know, you're supposed to follow the rules. That's, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, good weed, though, I think requires a lot of rules. Like, well, you just can't throw a seed out there and expect it to turn into amazing weed. Well, we, we talk to not just the weed, but the after part too, like uh, like manufacturing edibles. You know, you talk to the, we talked to uh, Green Revolution out here, and oh. I had four SOPs just for one thing. And what was their what was their thing? What did they stress? It was a key, oh, uh, which part of it? Cleanliness or uh, quality no, but, ingredients? Oh yeah, all about quality ingredients. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, like that's the thing. You you you, you have a good dinner from what you eat. You are what you eat. Right. I think that's the fundamental thing about like cannabis. Like, I, it's like you and me. This is one hundred and one. Like, like most people, you should be like, this is not rocket science, right? Like, it's not GMO. This is a plant that's grown, and then uh, it's as good as you put into it. You get back. You know, it, 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 good wheat takes time to grow. But, uh, you know, along with the story about uh, Shikari, you know, uh, Twitter was in an upstor- uproar this weekend, along with, like, all the other left. Uh, why Twitter is seeing red over Olympia Megan Rapinoe's cannabis endorsement? And, and, it, and it's not a cannabis, right? The, the trending thing was CBD versus THC. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not really, this is not really, a, she doesn't have a, a THC thing, right? So Renner Shikari Richardson made national headlines after she was not selected to complete at the Olympics due to a positive drug test. The fastest woman in the world couldn't go running with us. Right. Now, <laughs> now fellow Olympic hopeful and soccer Megan Rapino is facing backlash in light of decision after Richardson not competing in Tokyo. That's because the U.S. national teams are speaking out about using CBD or cannabidiol 
Yeah, say that 10 times allergies. Mm. Um, an active ingredient found in cannabis as part of her training program, which uh, seems to fly in the face of Rich, Richardson's suspension, which it does. Mm. I, I, most people don't understand that, you know, TAC, CBD, I mean, they're all cannabinoids. You know, they're, they're like cousins. Right. Uh, so a revolt notes, uh, Rapinoe's sister is behind Mindy. The, the line of products, including CBD gummies, her soccer star sibling says she uses. I mean, there is hypocrisy, though, right? Like, like they, 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 they. I mean, but the nice thing was when, when Shikari had her uh, uh, trials and tribulations, people stood up. People stood up and, and and voiced how wrong it was. I mean, he even made it to Congress. Hell, you know, uh, uh, you, have, you have a congressman talking about it. And mm-hmm. I think she got a job now with Dr. Dre and Beats. Good on her, but you know what? She shouldn't have to. Poor girl should be able to live her dream. Just yeah. like the CBD girls should be allowed to. Hypocrisy. Another Twitter uh, user, another tweeter, I guess, uh, tweeted, uh, even if this is about CBD, which is not banned, and not THC, which is banned, which are tested positive for, the argument for banning CBD is that it's a performance enhancer for its relaxing and analgesic properties, which can also be achieved with CBD use. The double standard continues to apply, you know, just more hypocrisy on it. So if she would have been smoking a hemp cigarette, well, that could have still had a trace of THC in it and caused a, fa- a failed test. She would have just been using Epidiolex, pure CBD, in theory she shouldn't have tested. But she and would have had the same, similar, similar uh, uh, effects. Yeah. But I'm curious, too, though, flip it. What if, what if uh, Shikari was white and uh, Marino was black? Do you think the the, the think she would have been tested at all? randomly not, yeah i mean yeah. like would there have been these issues and then would would uh the young black woman in soccer have been praised for starting a cbd company you know that's i wonder but you know it's a great hypocrisy <laughs> great hypocrisy uh we got going on uh oh 420 bumper Nope. No, I think we already did that one. We're in the Utah cannabis lawsuit alleges an improperly housed state doled out grower licenses coming soon to a state like Illinois. A new lawsuit out of Utah claims that the multi-state cannabis cultivators had an unfair advantage in competition for one of Utah's lucrative marijuana growing licenses and that state officials coached certain applications on how to win. Yeah, officials in, at the Utah Department of Agriculture and Food allowed their personal connections to sway them as they doled out the eight licenses in 2019, according to the federal complaint filed Monday by one of the rejected applicants. And and I don't know if people are familiar with the Utah uh, legalization process so far, but they've already been deep with a history of, like, uh, improprietaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, first it was the Department of Health. Uh, they were going to try and make it so like only the pharmacies can prescribe drugs. And there was a woman behind that that was like, in the pharmacy company like there's a lot of shady shit that they they've been a part of a lot of shady stuff but then it is cannabis and so you know you're making an illicit market into a lawful market and you're going through politics to do it you're you're shocked that there's going to be uh it's going to be somewhat rigged i mean next you're going to think like you know that uh that consulting fee that you had to pay to the brothers thing to get the zoning you know taken care of well was that a bribe was it a bribe you know, but uh, one of the one of the courses that I think I'll eventually have on CannabisIndustryLawyer.com uh, will be like how to record everyone without them knowing. Uh, just uh, make sure that you're always uh, in compliance with anything. I mean, so yeah. at least then you'd have that on tape because somebody's going to make that suggestion that that you should do that uh, in well, order yeah. to get something. 
Isn't this crazy though? I mean, especially like for the land of Utah, Mormons and, and self-righteous people, whatever. Um, you have this product that had it's coming from the illicit market, you mm-hmm. know, coming from the 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 non-traditional market, but yet it was viewed as the black market, the bad market. Uh, you know, people uh, are deviants for being a part of it, but yet once things become regulatory, there's still a lot of fucked up, like just wrongness about like the way people. You know, there's they're not trying to get it for the, the, the betterment of everybody. It's like like we talked about before, the, the area of entry. Once once it's benefiting you, it's pretty darn good. Once that benefit starts going to somebody else at the exclusion of you, then you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. We need something to protect the entry to market or the limited market, you know. But when it's eight licenses and then that's how they're handed out. I could see that they would make this type of lawsuit with the intention of what? Settling for a license because they'll raise a lot of stink. And then that's where a lawyer who's a litigator, uh, and I used to be a litigator and it was fun, but then you have to like do it. And it's not as much fun as, you know, cannabis applications and operations and valuations. Right. But um, yeah, you, so you sue them and then you get into discovery. And then eventually, if you can afford it, that's the thing, if you can afford it, because you have to keep suing and that might be, Quarter million bucks. Damn. Yep. I mean, well, as they begin here, not only was the uh, disunfair to the plaintiff JLPRLLC, the lawsuit claims, but it also damaged the state's medical cannabis program in its infancy. Man, it's it's like the second or third thing that's been hurting the medical program in its infancy. Uh, the JLPR is demanding that the court order UDAF, that's the uh, Utah uh, Department of Agriculture and Food, to grant it a growing license or put it first in line for a license when the next one becomes available. The company is asking for unspecified monetary damages to cover its lost profits and attorney and consulting fees. Well, that's going to be a, an interesting one. Like, here's my pretend money that I would have made if you gave me a license because I did what everything else? right. My financial models are right. <laughs> Give them the license. And then uh, <laughs> hopefully you build it out and the price of flour approximately stays there. Otherwise, you know, we just update it every quarter. Like we just yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's still a growing market. I mean, they, they, there's so much uh, not known that's not going to be. Uh, I mean, to me, mm-hmm. when I when I see thing, statements like that, like still you owe, you, you owe us the billions of dollars, even though half the people we talk to who come into cannabis expect to be millionaires in the first two years are like, I, I'm in a hole. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, they say uh, they uh, do not have to comment on the lawsuit because they have not yet received or reviewed it. And of course, the department never comments on on lawsuits. That's an exception to the Open Meetings Act. So mm. remember that one. Interesting. And then, so an example of the flaws in the licensing process: the lawsuit points out that the department made a last-minute rule change that opened the door for out-of-state cultivators, as opposed to like not allowing the, the out-of-state cultivators, which would have triggered a different lawsuit. And so it's amazing, you know. Right? No matter how the state tries to regulate it, they're going to get sued. Uh, welcome to you know legalizing cannabis 101 for your state. Yeah, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Kind of. <laughs> You know, the complaint further alleges without giving specifics that agriculture agency officials in charge of evaluating submissions gave certain companies an unfair advantage by sharing inside information. Totally true. And the fact that multi-state growers secured four out of the eight available cultivation lights demonstrates the officials were biased in their favor. That's not biased. They were just getting paid more. No, uh, they were getting paid more. But then there's also the uh, if they have no out-of-state cultivation. Uh, there's so much talent, knowledge, and skill in the industry that's not in the the legacy industry, unless that legacy industry is operating in a state that has like the lawful industry. 
Uh, there's a lot to be gained from having, and then the interstate commerce of uh, the, the states is a very important thing in our country. And you should be able to invest in a, uh, a company that is got a cannabis license in a particular state. I mean, you should maybe not have oh, yeah. like the majority ownership position of they could have other types of requirements therein, but uh, or the license holder itself must reside in the state because then you know, if something goes wrong, it's like, all right, whose grow is that? Bob. Well, where's Bob? Florida. You know, right. there has to be somebody who's the manager that resides in state. That one I agree with. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I believe in fair practice, like as this uh, uh, plant becomes more and more accepted and then a money grab, essentially, in all these states, you know, uh, uh, I believe the states, people like in Detroit, it's a shame that someone sued the Detroit because if you can just keep the money mm. local first, he'll build the communities and, and, and the infrastructure, I think, a lot better than. MSOs. Right. But then when you make this stuff in such a way that you prevent interstate commerce, you violate uh, federal law. And then you're always going to draw a lawsuit, especially if there's enough money on the line and there's enough money on the line. You know, I'm much more concerned about the God darn taxes they're trying to put on that. That's what's going to be driving the illicit market in the future. Trying to avoid taxes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I wonder, do they do this with cigarettes out where you live? Like out where I live, people will drive to Indiana to buy cigarettes, especially if they live near the border or like Kentucky, like an out of state, more Republican state has a lower cigarette tax than Illinois cigarette tax. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we got. Oh, yeah. They're like 11 bucks a pack here. The, the syntax is insane. And then, uh, yeah, uh, Oregon and Idaho were like or whenever I used to travel on the road, I'd buy my wife packs of cigarettes out there. But that's what it's going to be. And so, like, if your state has a lower tax on your cannabis than the next state. People are going to do that again. You know, they're doing it now. That's, you know, mostly because Illinois, uh, your guy's supply isn't as reliable as the supply that you can get in an Illinois dispensary. It's just not. I mean, you're going to pay a premium, but the reliability of supply in the streets is uh, something I don't know. Well, and then like you were saying about the taxes, you find somebody across state lines. Like I know a guy that I think in Virginia, he has a friend that sends him cartons of cigarettes because it's like insane uh, no sentence, like you know, those are people that can embrace cigarettes. They're like, Oh, you get tax my freedom, but uh, uh, yeah, he pays pretty much like at price compared to out here. Uh, I would imagine the same thing would happen with cannabis, you know, but that a lot of it be coming from California, Oregon out the other side because right. that's where good, good quality cannabis has been for a while. Well, that's going to be the, the, the questions of the regulators after it's federally legal. How do you get that tax stamp on, on the state and also the federal level? So that administration of that tax collection is going to just be like that cigarette tax stamp. I've never really seen a tax stamp on like a package of beer, but I'm assuming it has to be there, you know? Oh, yeah, I imagine so. But yeah, I mean, like in the end, though, as, as, as we've seen, cannabis, nothing but benefits your state and your local community. Uh, you know, you saw in, uh, uh, marijuana legalization has increased Arizona home values. Thanks to Arizona yep. marijuana. That's great. Uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, has marijuana increased the home values in Seattle too. Oh yeah, oh I I, I would definitely you know, but I think our uh, what would you call it um, like growth of industry or, right. or spurts gets right. blended in with tech too, you know. Right. So so like marijuana was always here, <laughs> you right. know. We've <laughs> it's been an industry, but then like Amazon is like a million one point two three or something million employees. Much bigger of a driver of the price of real estate in Seattle's real estate market. But yeah, that's cool. 
Yeah, uh, Colorado, I mean, like it's, it, but it appears that it's in all the states. Like Colorado home values went up from 89,000 in 2017 uh, to, no, went up 89,000. I'm sorry. Where I live, you can <laughs> yeah. buy a house for $60,000. You can't. We're trying to sell one for $75,000. Yeah, it blows my mind, dude. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, in, in Colorado, uh, that was a uh, within the first year after legalization, uh, I saw a vice report where, because of the influx of people that are trying to, to get jobs in the cannabis industry and also the success of the ones that are in it already, the market goes up. Real estate people are in heaven from this. Uh, you know, it, it's insane. Uh, in Texas, where recreational marijuana is not legal, home values increased $40,000 during the same time span. Just be buying a neighbor of Oklahoma. Yeah. I'd imagine so. Yeah, and so like that research, they found cannabis tax revenues funded more state programs such as education and health care and it also bought tourist and more business opportunities. Let me, uh, let me give you my shock face. No, I'm just giving you my like, thank you, Illinois, for starting to bring the industry to the state face. Like, woohoo. And um, it, not only that, it's that you're going to start seeing that. So I'd like to see the data on Oklahoma as a very open industry. That's where I think a lot of the innovation would happen. Oklahoma, Michigan, because you can actually get a license. But sometimes when it's really easy to get a license, eh. You know, when we talk innovation, though, you know, I I, I don't know how much more can happen. Like, 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 you know, we're not talking about innovation in beer anymore. We're not talking about innovation in in cigarettes. I think what we need more now is just a structural. I know you saw a lot of products out here with with the SKUs that you were like, I didn't know there's so many SKUs. And and to me, it was just Tuesday. Right. (laughs) Well, I mean, like uh, for the plant is a very complex plant. And so it's going to have substantially more skews once you get into like the building materials of it and like, you know, the, the uh, battery aspect of it. And then also the, um, uh, the plant, the medicinal aspect of it. So you, you have those three main uh, areas that the industry could create strains and also like variation and it's a building material and it's a very complex drug. Yeah. So with, you're talking organic chemistry. There's a lot of variance and nuance there. But we're still waiting for at least a good portion of population to catch up with that understanding that this magical plant can do all these things. True. But as long as the robots know. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, oh, I was going to say, too, because, you know, we talked about the tourists. I've been preaching about that for over 10 years. Like, when I, yeah. when I first started writing, it's like when... You know, I, I love the United States. I used to love traveling as a technician and, and, or traveling as a, when I was in the Navy, going to schools. I love driving through the interstates and whatnot. And, you know, the only thing I always think about, like, if I could just smoke weed in every state, you know, without ever risk going to jail or getting pulled over, or, you know, being life looked be at. As a, good. It'd be pretty good. Yeah. 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 Life would be great. And that would be the tourist thing, though. You know, I, I, I it's OK smoke or drinking beer and south dakota but i'd rather smoke a dube and just enjoy the flatlands you know mm-hmm. marijuana makes everything a little better it can hey uh we have something that's a little different so i'm gonna do a bumper and then we're gonna play something in lieu of name that strain let's see Pretty funny All right, we're going to do strain name or wrestling finisher instead of name that strain since we're doing a pre-recorded episode. So I'm going to say a name of something. You guys are going to say whether it is a strain name or wrestling finisher. Buzz in with your name. Sweet. All right, so the first one, Beast Mode 2.0. Oh, that's me. 
<laughs> I like how he's like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> and I'm like, beast mode 2.0. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, like, I thought that was a football thing, but I don't know. Strain name. It's an Indica Dom hybrid of Master Kush and White Fire OG. Yeah, it is a football. Uh, he's from uh, out here in Seattle. The so that's Beast Mode. Yeah, uh, Beast Mode uh -huh. is way more widely known in Seattle than in Central Illinois. I was like, ah, somebody, some stoner out here, fucking yeah. some shit out that guy. Okay, the next one, Blue Thunderbomb. Okay, that one's real hard because yeah. the word bombs in it, so it clearly could be a wrestling move. Um, I'm gonna go strain name though. Damn, I'm gonna go wrestling move. Nikki, you're right. It was a wrestling finisher. Oh, two for two. June Akiyama. June Akiyama. What? Let's do The next one, F5. Oh, that's weed. Uh, yeah, that's a weed, but that's like the for genetics of weed. I've never heard of like an F5 being a strain name, so that has to be a wrestling move, in my opinion. Tom, you're correct. That is Brock Lesnar's uh, trademark finisher. No shit. Yo, taste the phenome. Right. Taste the phenome, yeah. The next one we got is Pickening Paralyzer. Ooh. Dude, that's a now. Oh, wow. Pickening Paralyzer. Man, that'd be really good weed, though. Or it better yeah. be really good weed. It should be. It should be like I'm a very go. heavy indica dominant. Like, yeah. you smoke that, and that's like the last thing on your agenda for the day. Right? Yeah. So I'm going to go wrestling move, though. I'm going to go strain name, then. Tom, you're right. Strain name. It's Man. a rare strain out of Pickening, Michigan. We're Ooh. tied up two to two. Last Ooh. one. Last one is nine pound hammer. Oh, that's weird. Oh yeah, we got to abstain on that. Like, we, yeah. like they were handing out those nine pound hammer joints at Sitka we just last week. Bunch, yeah, yeah. Too yeah. Easy, damn. But it's All a right. good one though. It's great. It's great. Yeah, I mean, uh, both of us gave it a thumbs up and then took a nap. We need, <laughs> nice. we need to get like a little uh, weed like, coming off a ring and coming down. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, that's what we need. Uh, if you are an animation type person uh, and you want to like make some cartoons for that, hit us up. You know, email right. us legalization news. And that is strain name or wrestling finisher, guys. Back right. to news. Yeah. So, congressional lawmakers push marijuana protections for all states while GOP member seeks to end medical cannabis writer marijuana mm -hmm. moment. An amendment uh, to protect all state and tribal marijuana programs from federal interference now has 15 co-sponsors after its bipartisan proponents circulated a letter to build support this week. But a Republican opponent is reforming, uh, is pushing a dueling proposal to end a more modest, long-standing rider that's pro provided protections for medical cannabis states alone. Interesting. The hope with this pro-reform amendment is to attach the proposal to 2022 fiscal year Spending legislation for the commerce, justice, science, and related agencies. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Doug Malfa, Republican from California, is taking the unusual step of filling, filing a competing measure that would cease federal protections for states with medical cannabis legalization on the books, including his own, that mm -hmm. have been in place and renewed annually on a, bi on a bipartisan basis since 2014. Holy That's crazy. Crap, dude. That guy just said that he wants the raids to start, basically, you know? Yeah. My my question is like let's let's just say the protections but let's get rid of them. Oh, no, right. but I, I I think that that's interesting. But the Democrats control the show this budget year. I think their aspect is going to get in there, and the the DEA is going to be defunded from all state operations. And then uh, I don't know what Doug uh, Lamalafa is thinking about, where he wants 
the, by not having that protection, there's money for the DEA to go bust the industry. But why would you villainize your constituents? Like that's like why? Yeah, why would you arrest your own people? Maybe he lives in one of those districts in, in California because California is interesting and like a lot of it still hasn't voted to legalize in their boundaries. You know, it's yeah, still yeah. a fairly divided state. Legalization is kind of interesting like that. Yeah, no, that's true. Especially, yeah, California is kind of like divided, like many little uh, fiefdoms in itself. But uh, uh, let's see. Where were we at there? Yeah, oh. uh, it's, you know, the other stuff where they're uh, adding language to prevent the Justice Department of Justice from using any funds appropriated by Congress to enforce federal laws regarding activities that are legal under state, territorial, or tribal law, regardless of whether the laws are recreational or medical. That's what they're trying to put in. And that's what we've been asking for the whole time. Uh, so that's what we wanted. But then the, this other one filed a competing one to say, no, none of it. Anyway, uh, it's been in past sessions, including the in 2019, but was not attached to the final appropriations legislation sent to the president's desk under the GOP control of the Senate. Damn. Now Democrats have a slim majority in the chamber. Advocates are optimistic <clears throat> that it could finally be enacted. As it stands, the spending bill writer that LaMalfa is attempting to strike offers the protection only to states with medical cannabis programs. This new broader amendment from uh, reform supporters will expand that protection at a time when more and more states opting to legalize marijuana for adult use. Yep. I mean, it's not bad. I mean, well, Malfa's bad, but the other one. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the road to legalization from like saying like, all right, just don't, we aren't going to enforce it. Provided that you have a state license, we aren't going to enforce it. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. Republican congressman bulldozes cannabis grows of Hmong farmers in California. Wow. Out of Politico. California Republican Congressman released videos of this week of himself bulldozing unlicensed campus grows in a remote part of the state. A move local Hmong farmers Hmong, uh, Hmong. farmers Hmong is likely to stoke racial tensions that have escalated during a major wildfire that continues to burn in the area. Wow, I can't believe this dude actually like posted a video. He's but look, don't you recognize this name? The office of Representative Doug LaMalfa posted a YouTube on a number of, of videos originally filmed in May that show him touring seized pot farms in Sikiu County before operating a bulldozer to destroy greenhouses and cannabis plants. Operations he has long condemned as destructive to the environment. Did you know that an almond farm uses 33 times the water as that out, that outdoor cannabis farm did? Yeah, the science has clearly stated recently that, that, that cannabis does not do the harms that these people are talking about right. to the environment. Uh, and especially like, uh, anyway, so the office of Representative Doug LaMalfa posted a video on YouTube. A number of videos originally filmed in May. Oh, you read that part. Yeah, uh, the outdoor grows one. Yeah. Uh, outdoor grows are illegal in the county and often lack sewage systems and other environmental safety measures. But advocates for local farmers say the timing of the videos, weeks after law enforcement officers fairly shot a 35-year-old Hmong man during a mandatory wildfire evacuation, is problematic as is the congressman's language like and so yeah. did his douchey uh, movie references and utter uh, lack of understanding of cannabis oh, continues i love the smell of diesel power in the afternoon it smells like victory lamalfa says in one of the videos uh and so that's just a takeoff of the vietnam war uh, movie apocalypse now however it also really sucks and it just goes to show that this person is not understanding the plant at all but also demonstrates how California is still a story of two different states, yeah. more or less. 
it's legal in the sense that like they couldn't have banned them from having it, but they can say that it's illegal for you to cultivate this stuff here. We aren't going to have a license for you. Move along, and and then you can tout it like that. And they, if you look at the, uh, I'm looking at the video of the seized uh, area, and it doesn't. It seems like these people had a well kept area of like you know uh, uh, a grow house and tents and. You know, it doesn't seem very elaborate, like w with waste and toxic stuff around there. So it just looks to me that you just uh, ruin a person, a hardworking American's day. Because, you know, I guarantee you they're Americans just because they're they're Hmong. You know, like they're here. You know, yep. they didn't call ICE. I mean, you know, that could have been a thing, too. But I, they it, need to be licensed. I mean, like a, a cannabis operation that large, depending on how large it is. I mean, if they are seizing illicit... Uh, cannabis in California because it doesn't have the right license that's worth eight billion dollars annually the type of regulation where you're this half in half out like we're able to say here you're you can't do it but here you can it really doesn't work you know yeah yeah I I, I, I don't know what the answer is I mean maybe fines or or, 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 or I mean like to the point where you both have to have the right permits, but then there needs to be either a method to issue that permit or, or yeah. not, you know. And so, if they have that permit like that and they're operating without it, you know, that's that that is a, a non conforming use, you know. What so, but like, what other industry out there? So, like, say alcohol, you need a license for, and they find a distill, would, would they destroy that? Would they, would they tear down the building if uh, they found a beer or yeah, a beer distillery inside? You know, no, like a, they wouldn't have torn down the building, but they that brewery still would have needed a license, and they probably would have given it to them because they like alcohol but not cannabis. Right. I'm just trying to think of what other product out there that people just blatantly destroy. You know what I mean? Like, this is the go-to now for cannabis. Where I don't know, but I know that our international news story is really oh. going to be what's going to help start changing the hearts and minds because we need to flood this earth with weed. Hey, Columbia boasts budding cannabis industry by removing ban on dry flower exports. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Columbia on Friday gave the green light for export of dry cannabis for medicinal and other industries as the Andean country took another step to develop its marijuana industry, where progress has been slow despite high potential. President Ivan Duke signed a decree lifting a prohibition on exporting dry cannabis flower, a move seen as crucial by investors. Wow. Yeah, America, oh, go ahead, bro. Nice. The directive also allows for the expansion of sales of cannabis-based medicines and streamlines regulatory procedures. Oh, good on them. Yep. This, this be has been a pioneer in the regulating the possession, production, distribution, commercialization, and even export of seeds and plants and substances derived from cannabis like oils, creams, and extracts for medicinal purposes. But investors have complained about what they say is a torturous export approval process. I mean, it, it has to be because, like, where are you sending it to? Germany, like you can't import the weed here to America, but I thought that that Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act said you could. So if yeah. you don't have weed in your state now and, and Latin America is able to flood our country with weed, good luck. I want to go on a field trip, dude. Uh, Latin America cannabis exports could be worth eight or six billion, Duke said, mm -hmm. in countries where the medicinal cannabis industry has more mature regulation like the United States, the United Kingdom, Germany and Israel. Dry cannabis is the most developed sector of the market, accounting for more than 50% of all sales. Well, I'm a flower power person, so I, yeah, I mean, that's what I smoke. Yeah, me as well. And uh, the 
price point and the quality. Like Colombia, that was what Bobby Tuna was smuggling into uh, America in the 70s. And then he has that black tuna uh, label now down in True Leaf. And so that's about the only True Leaf label that I want to smoke because it's supposed to be modulating uh, the estimated genetics of that Colombian gold that Bobby Tuna was smuggling from Colombia into the United States in the 70s hmm. in Florida with that square grouper movie. Right, right. That'd be awesome. But, you know, if they if they're able to flood the market with, you know, 50 cent a gram weed oh and it's high quality. I mean, there's a reason why all the flowers that are in your Costco, they probably came from Colombia. Uh, it's going to be interesting and the, the industry will get way more difficult and then trying to mind your margins will mean. But then do you think people are going to buy local? Do you think people would buy craft, you know, social equity cannabis when they could buy the cheaper uh, Colombian cannabis? Well, here's what I see. You know, it's funny in all these reports that always say like flowers, the most purchased part of the, you know, the most consumed, whatever. Of course it is. Because you know what? Guess where rosin comes from? Guess where concentrates come? Guess where the, the, the infused butter comes from? Or guess where Keith comes from? <laughs> I mean, it, so like the, the flower is always going to be your, your your main source for this, right? For for whatever. No, depending on the quality. Yeah. If, if, if Brazil can produce some good quality flour. If I can buy a pound for 20 bucks, well, I'm going to be infusing the shit out of everything in my house. I'm going to be chasing like the dog. Come here. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. And then you come from where they have $30 ounces. And and I've never seen Colombian. So if Colombian is the, uh, the equivalent of a $30 ounce in Washington State, and Washington State's got a good outdoor climate in which to cultivate cannabis, so does Colombia, I don't know how much better it's going to be. My only concern would be uh, transportation, like because you know the plant, you know, unless it's a plant, it's a consumable product, and then it's susceptible to mold and other things. So, unless it's properly packaged and storaged, you know, who knows what you're getting from there? Yeah, you stock yeah. it on the plane and then you fly it out of there, or they turn it all in the hash and then export it. Mm. If the flower quality is really, really high, what you do is you try to have like a seventy-five dollar eighth for thirty-five bucks. Yeah. Oh, that would sell, dude. Sure. I think it would. Well, that's going to do it for Cannabis Legalization News. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up all Cannabis Legalization News. We'll see you on Wednesday for a special Seattle episode. Ooh, that's a good one. We'll see you then. Mm.